welcome to Collective Mass Radio number five. Uh, with me, I have Emily Johansson, who is uh, has worked at Unity for a little while. Uh, he's big into uh, AI, um, and um, I'm going to hand over to him just to talk a little bit about his AI stuff, his experience, his package. He just did talk now, and um, and uh, so I'll hand over to you. How did you get into AI? Oh, so so basically, the the reason for me to get into AI was uh, watching uh, 2001. And, uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, falling in love with the idea of hell and all that stuff uh, got me set on a path for being inspired by that. Okay. Um, so actually, I did not uh, start uh, as as I didn't start interested in game development. I started just with the AI interest, um, and game development kind of happened on my way uh, okay. during that. Um, so basically, I was I was uh, studying computer science in Copenhagen, and um, had some idea of I wanted to do something AI, but uh, didn't really know where to apply it. Okay. Um, and then saw this. Uh, that was like a, an ad for like a cross university project uh, where some people were doing uh, research into the process of developing a game. Right. So the the idea was not to actually develop and ship a game, but more uh, teams coming together and do their their uh, parts of it and, and communicate th- uh, with each other on that. Okay, excellent. So, and I basically saw that as, as an interesting uh, way of, of visualizing and testing out my AI. Okay. Uh, that, was, that was my first, the first time I considered anything with games. Uh, I mean, because it, before that, it was basically just running some AI simulation and getting uh, uh, textual output. Right. Uh, so, this was a bit more exciting. <laughs> Indeed. Um, along with AI, what other applications were you looking at um, other than games when you first started? I actually had no idea what I I just was I was just interested and fascinated by uh, by AI and, and AI techniques uh, um, yeah so games that was basically the first thing uh, that, that I came across and, right. and just went for it yeah no games is a definitely a good medium for a lot of interesting computer stuff you know what I mean like mm. uh, I think that's why a lot of uh, talented devs kind of gravitate towards games yeah and there's especially in games there's a a wide variety of of AI uh, applications Uh, I mean the at the AI summit uh, here at GDC the one of the themes was adding more AI to tools Uh, so AI assisted uh, uh, game development basically having the tools uh, do something clever for the designer so the designer can can paint with more uh, broad strokes and, right. uh, and then go in and fine-tune afterwards. Um, but the, having the tools understand the intent uh, and assist the, the, the designer there. That's, that's very, uh, very interesting. Um, intent is a very key word in yeah. AI. And uh, I was talking to a lot of audio guys, and one of the things that they always come across is like, so if I design a cinematic experience, it's very much on rails, and it's very very easy to understand the intent because you're crafting it. But yeah. Let's say you're playing a game. It's a serious game, but you're fooling around with it. Um, to be able to uh, to get a hold of that intent and then change the audio so it's not so serious um, yeah. would be a fantastic thing. Um, have you been you've been thinking about other specific uh, examples for these tools that you're talking about? So uh, I recently, uh, when I was at the um, uh, Game AI conference uh, two years ago in Vienna. Um, I uh, started getting interested in, uh, in narrative uh, in games. Um, oh, excellent! And uh, and basically like narrative-driven games. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I just it's 
it seems like an area where there's a lot of, of uh, opportunity for doing tools and and uh, tying in uh, AI as well. Not necessarily uh, like generated stories or right. dynamic stories like that, but but again, assisting uh, the writer and the designer uh, with the help of AI, um, as well as tying the narrative together with the game mechanics and the AI and the runtime. Wow, that, that yeah. sounds fascinating and incredibly big. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you started working on that, or uh, it's basically been the longest, uh, longest drawing board exercise I've, I've had. <laughs> so, like the the behave tool I have on the asset store is is pretty much it's con- it's my uh, pet project uh, right. that I, I pour my passion into when I'm not on a contract. Um, so, uh, I have still uh, quite a few things I want to add to that, uh, and starting work on a new tool next to that is is not a good time right now. Right. Uh, so I'm hoping maybe this summer, but we'll see. Well, we talk about um, tools that are making developers' lives easier, like the Behave tool. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the only other tool, AI tool that I've used on the asset store is Rain. I used it in its infancy and, and now. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about your tool, um, its kind of unique points, um, yeah. where you see it going maybe in the future? Sure. I mean, so so Rain is basically, Rain has this focus of, of uh, being a one-stop shop solution for AI, uh, which, I mean, inherent in that is that you... You can't put as much focus in in, in every single aspect. Uh, you have to you have a, a big project to do. Right. Uh, so from the get go with Behave, I wanted to just focus on decision logic. Right. Uh, so I don't I don't have to spend my time on on uh, on pathfinding and, and navigation uh, uh, things like that. Um, so yeah, basically I just put a lot of polish into the uh, the tool and the runtime and. Uh, uh, the debug uh, tools, all that stuff. Um, so, so behave is basically uh, a graphical tool uh, that's desi- designed graphically, designed a tree, um, right. uh, connecting nodes up. That compiles into runtime code, so that executes efficiently. Um, okay. And then you can hook that up to a runtime runtime debugger on device. So, like you're playing a game on your iPad or whatever, and you uh, you have the editor running, and you just connect that up and see what's going on in the agents. That's wonderful. That so, sounds. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at that point, you can then go in and like place a breakpoint and step through it and all that stuff. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, by by not going broad, uh, I I had the luxury of being able to focus more. Well, I'm finding that with a lot of tools is that um, one-stop shops are basically promises that are hard to deliver on, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, there are so many good tools. Specifically, Unity comes out with all these these things. I used Rain when it was in prototype mm-hmm. stage before it was on the asset store. And they had their version of NavMesh. Yeah, you yeah. Know, um, but uh, not trying to, to put Rain down, but it would just take hours to like bake things okay. out. I, I haven't actually used Rain, so oh, uh, yeah. I can't uh, speak to any of the... Well, it was we were basically using it for its pathfinding. Mm. Um, used a little bit of their behavior tree stuff. but um, And then NavMesh came out, and we were just like, hey, we don't need Rain anymore. Oh. Um, so we... Uh, yeah, yeah, I really think it's a good approach to be like, I focus on this thing do it really well and you can work with other things yeah I mean having worked with other middleware uh, before I joined <laughs> Unity uh, we were so before I joined Unity I was doing a startup uh, in Copenhagen where we used uh, Unreal okay. um, and um, and we were basically in this incubator space where we bumped into the Unity guys um, so that's like in the local bar uh, <laughs> oh so you do you do some game stuff okay that's cool yeah. uh, let's have some beers <laughs> Um, 
And uh, I was basically the only guy on that entire floor uh, who also had a Mac I mean, back when Unity was Mac only. Right. Uh, so, so basically, every time Unity would do a release, uh, David would come in to the office with a CD going, oh, you need to check this out. This is our latest <laughs> stuff. And, you know, honestly, at the time, I mean, we were sitting with uh, Unreal Engine 3, and, and he was coming in with this, like, very, uh, uh, very young engine, uh, and I was going, oh, we're being very polite and all that, but, you know, we're, we're busy working with Unreal Engine. So. <laughs> yeah, we're working with big tools. So, um, but then, uh, you know, that uh, startup crashed and burned after three years of hard work, unfortunately, but... Um, oh, yeah. But then I, I opened up my drawer and find all these uh, CDs with Unity on it. So um, <laughs> that was basically um, when I started using it in uh, 2008. Um, so that was, I think, 2.1 or something. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked uh, with the, the initial... Uh, so Behave was basically the first uh, full-on middleware tool integrated into the editor because 2.1 came with... Uh, uh, the first very, very first time you had uh, the uh, capability to do editor scripting, uh, okay. because at that point uh, Unity wasn't uh, actually based on on the um, wasn't using the Unity GUI system. Uh, it was all uh, Cocoa, uh, right. so um, it was a very uh, a very simple uh, API at that point, and it took a lot of hackery uh, right. going. <laughs> um, but it was a very fun challenge. And I, I got to uh, present at like an open mic uh, session at the United 08, which was in Copenhagen, so easy for me to go to. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right. And um, um, as far as um, working with Unity, um, how have you found that? Was that? Did you work on the Knife Mesh project at all? Uh, only, only through. So basically, uh, I was I was in Copenhagen. Uh, I got I started uh, in May uh, or April uh, 2009, and um, and basically what I did there on uh, in on the development team was uh, work with interfacing, uh, making sure that the interface between the different systems uh, of Unity were, were smooth. Right. Uh, so. Basically, I, I used to say that I come, I would combat uh, developer tunnel vision uh, because you know you sit on a on a feature team and and you're just very focused on on making the best uh, best feature you can and you get very focused on that and start missing uh, like the connections with the features surrounding you. Yes. Uh, so basically, I was I was on a, a small demo team uh, where we did uh, like basically functioning as internal product experts um, and like helping with the overall engine architecture. Um, That's wonderful. It's one of the things that, um, that I'm really fond of with Unity and I find a lot of other people is just how all the tools work together, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was what made me, I guess, aside from being hired by Unity, <laughs> um, uh, what makes me stick with it today as well. Uh, I found that on, on, on Real... Uh, we, well, we basically had to dedicate two guys constantly to being the engine maintainers. Uh, so that's two guys off the development team right there. Uh, but aside from that, it, it, I, I just had the impression of, of working with these uh, very nicely polished areas, and then the gaps between the different features was just kind of this borderland where we did most of our skirmishes. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, I mean, it's it's... Unreal is a very nice engine if you have the team to do it, to pull it off. Right. Um, I mean, they've just announced uh, and, and pushed out uh, 
Unreal Engine 4. Um, yeah. So maybe, hopefully, they've uh, corrected a lot of these things. I mean, definitely there are a lot of familiarities right. if you're used to the Unity Edit interface. Oh, really? um, okay. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much they, uh, they borrowed. I feel, uh, just as an as a indie coming up and looking for tools, um, when I first was looking for game tools, like it was either write your own engine, um, but, but at that stage, like I'm very focused on making games. I don't want to make the engine. Mm. Um, and you're kind of like, well, I have to dedicate time to this. Um, so it's either you write the engine or you had an option of Torque, or, and then Unity started to come yeah. in. Um, but the Mac thing was a big drawback for me. Yeah. As soon as they hit PC, I got really interested. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then UDK came out. Like we wanted to use Unreal because it was a big name, mm. um, but um, you just you just thought you couldn't get the time of day with the guys. And yeah, I mean, the the definitely the Unity community is without comparison. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, it, it also felt that Epic uh, didn't really dedicate a lot of time resources to maintaining their uh, community. Uh, so. It wasn't just that Unity had a really, really good community. It was that Epic also had a terrible one. Right. Uh, so there was just there was no comparison. Right. <laughs> I, I thought it was also a big shift. I mean, it was at that time where um, people started, like indie games, started to become a reality. Mm. Right? Um, and um, and before that, it was all like, hey, hundred thousand dollars up front. Yeah, and yeah, you have yeah. A publishing deal. So nobody took indie seriously, and then over time, indie started to gain popularity, almost like a kind of novel rock star thing. Yeah. And then you know people started making a little bit of money, which was good. Um, but um, yeah, I always always found that the Unreal tools were were just repurposed first person third person. Yeah, first person third person shooter tools. Yeah, uh, where Unity felt like I could make anything. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, and any like a lot of the guys on those communities on the Unreal communities would uh, would not be so willing to give away solutions. You know what I mean? Yeah, it felt very defensive, uh, yeah. which was very strange. Uh, and and I mean, it's like the complete opposite is true for the Unity community. I agree. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time. I remember when the uh, when I first joined the uh, Unity IRC channel. Uh, it was probably topping out up at about like 16 people. Uh, <laughs> what is say IRC? Very, uh, very tied together, very nice. Uh, and I, I think now it's like at 100, like, wait, like 340 people or something. It's pretty standard in there. Right. Um, so, and, and that and the forums, of course, and, and increasingly so Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, these days, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time for, uh, for the forums and stuff like that, but I, I keep up with Twitter. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it definitely a huge factor, and I, I also spend a lot of time in, in the Unity community uh, supporting that. That's uh, both like while there and after, especially the development team in Unity has a, a huge presence in, in uh, the community. Yeah, I've uh, I've been amazed just uh, at the access that you can get. You know, yeah. go directly to somebody and just be like, hey, what's going on? Um, but yeah, now that's I won't be bashing Unreal too much today. <laughs> um, so let's get back to, to Behave. Um, is there any games that you know that have been using your system? Uh, so basically I only started charging for it uh, this summer when I uh, 
went freelancing. Right. Uh, so before that, I just had no registration process or anything. So every once in a while, like at, at uh, GDC and, and Unite conferences and stuff like that, people come by and go, hey, we're using your stuff, and it's fun, <laughs> and here's the game, and oh, I had no idea, this looks cool. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so I actually don't uh, have a list, uh, which is really annoying, but... Um, so after I started charging for it, uh, of course, I, I started beefing up features like crazy and polishing right. and all that. But also, I basically built an internal forum. Um, so, uh, so like to, uh, to, of course, sense or ask and communicate where people wanted the tool to go, okay. um, what their use cases were, because, you know, I'm using it for my own small projects and, and now in freelancing, but um, that's only one perspective right. of, of the application, right? So yeah. um, so the forum was to to uh, get more insight and, and a broader representation. Um, and I, recently they've they've started uh, getting more uh, design, design discussions in there, which is really interesting. That's cool. So man. now I'm starting to learn from, from the community as well, and it's perfect. Uh, it's exactly what I wanted with it. Um, so I hope that continues. Excellent. Uh, one of the ways that Unity devs make money is obviously putting stuff up in the asset store. Right? Mm. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask how's how's that going? Are you finding that like uh, sales are picking up or? So I mean, uh, Behave is, is like a really niche product on there, uh, so it it doesn't pay the bills uh, <laughs> directly. Not but, yet. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, it's it's a it's a good price. It's a it's a good. So I could probably I could probably lower the price and and. Get, uh, gain significantly more users and, right. and more overall profit, but I want to keep it uh, like keep a bit of a barrier of entry so the internal community doesn't overflow and support starts uh, being something I have to spend a lot of time right. on. Right, understood. Because it is a side, it's a side thing. Um, so, but I, if I had, if I wanted to push uh, and learn, uh, sorry, uh, if I wanted to make uh, my asset store presence something where I wanted to make my money. Uh, I would go for more uh, like less niche things right. uh, like uh, an input system or something that everyone needs, right? Right, right, right. Um, So definitely be uh, the guys that uh, and girls that target those things, uh, uh, those areas, I mean, are making a living and some are very, very good living. Uh, <laughs> yeah. nice ones, so. Oh, fantastic. Um, any advice uh, where you see a gap in the market on the asset store? You were talking about inputs? Uh, sorry, you're talking about input. Uh, yeah, system? I mean, of course, the, a lot of the tools that have done well on on the asset store have been tools that have covered areas where Unity was weak. Right. Uh, so that is that has very much been GUI. Um, but uh, I mean, they're they're stepping that up, and, and hopefully we'll see it soon. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I played but, with know. it demo, so. <laughs> But I mean, another area is is uh, that's that's like a pain point on Unity is input. Uh, so there are some some solutions on the SS store for that. I'm actually not aware of how well they do, uh, right. but I would imagine that uh, that there's a big opportunity there. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, tools that that cover areas that that Unity doesn't cover so well, or or fix pain points. Right. Uh, basically. Well, that's yeah, that's good to know. I might just write an input manager. <laughs> um, well, um, you said that you're freelancing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big leap, leaving Unity to, to yeah. freelance. What motivated you to do that? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I had been at Unity for four years and, and kind of tried some different things and, and had an amazing time. Um, 
but you know it, it was time to to try something new um, I that was my motivation but I didn't really know where I wanted to go what right. I wanted to do so I figured the worst mistake it could do would be to jump out and, and join some company on face value and then regret it a year later yeah, um, yeah. so freelancing was is kind of like my way to to go sample a bit about <laughs> and see like what the different companies actually like to work for for the from the inside right um, and also like figure out what I actually want to do long term um, right. so all the prospective recruiters out there yeah guys looking um, well th that's excellent have you have you found anything that you're interested in I mean like there's a lot of different use cases there's military simulations to advo gaming to mobile gaming mm. is there anything that you found interesting in that space I mean currently I am I'm very interested in, in stories and games um, I mean like some of my favorite games uh, would include uh, like uh, Kingdom Hearts right um, are you a Final Fantasy fan uh, I have actually never played a Final Fantasy game which is really strange um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, before so before doing that initial startup uh, uh, prior to joining Unity, uh, I really did not play many games. I mean, it wasn't. Again, I, I didn't come. I didn't go into the games industry and then find AI. It was the other way around. Right. So, I actually played uh, most like flight simulators and stuff like that, like uh, combat flight simulators. Right. As a kid, I wanted to actually uh, be a fighter pilot. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then I mean, and we lived. I mean, We live near a military base, um, so around uh, seventh grade or so, uh, a guy from the, the base would come over and talk about careers in the military, uh, and then he asked, okay, so uh, anyone uh, anyone here considering uh, this? And they yeah, yeah, I want to fly, fly the fighter planes. And he said, okay, fair enough, come up to the, the blackboard. And he took down the one meter ruler, put it next to me, and said, yeah, right now you don't fit in the cockpit. So that was... <laughs> bursting my dreams right there oh my god and I just and then he went okay but you can fly cargo planes but that wasn't really what I was looking for yeah yeah you're looking so, for coolness man. Um, so I mean after that I, I, I had to find an alternative and um, uh, yeah I mean computers was interesting and then hell and all that so yeah I must say like um, after after watching Space Odyssey I was really into it like I, I love the idea of having this other personality that you created yeah yeah exactly it's really fantastic um But uh, after dabbling with it a little bit, I found that either you focus on this or you don't. You yeah. know, it, it seems like a big thing. Have you have you worked much with the idea of like virtual personalities? I mean, how being an inspiration? Um, I mean, so so that was what got me into it, uh, into AI. But uh, over the years, I've I've grown very practical. Uh, <laughs> so one of my other uh, uh, pet interests is is uh, uh, production. Right. Um, so. Uh, like optimizing production pipeline that sort of thing um, which got me into tooling gotcha. um, and um, and so I have a much more practical approach to AI um, it's it's you know it's we're we're creating entertainment uh, so it's it's about you know if you can see the the right pixels on the screen and it's fun then that's what counts right, right. you don't um, have to see the pieces of wood holding up those pixels exactly I mean you can have the most elaborate system behind it but if uh, if you could get as as good results by by hard coding and animation well then <laughs> yeah uh, um, that's that's 
definitely something that you get out of seasoned developers because mm. I, I found that a lot of guys going in are just like well if I create this world I have to create everything you yeah, know what I mean yeah. I have to create the lady that sells the sandwiches that, yeah uh, basically like when you get uh, someone uh, straight out of university onto a, a team uh, to work with AI and they've, they've been focused on AI uh, in university uh, basically there's, there's usually a need to uh, uh, well like Star Wars style unlearn some things <laughs> yes. um, because I mean the academic AI is, is usually very focused on, on these uh, uh, clever systems and all yeah. that stuff where uh, the, your initial approach uh, when being successful in, in, in game AI is often just you know start like working in tiers just start making the, the basis get basics working right. iterate on it is that fun okay add some more stuff right. um And then, yeah, just keep adding layers and polishing. Um, of course, I mean, as you uh, as you get more experience, you start uh, to to see, you know, okay, I'll probably need this, yeah. uh, and I'll probably end up with a design something like this. So you have an idea of which layers to focus on at which stage. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, the I when I get on a project and there's this elaborate magical <laughs> AI system that just kind of outputs goodness uh i i am very skeptical <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh yeah always worried about black boxes oh yeah um can you talk about uh some of the best uh, freelance experiences that you've had so far with unity um yeah so i mean i've only been doing it for like half a year okay. uh so but i was i was very fortunate uh to like i ex i would have expected that i would have to uh like uh, fight pretty hard in, in initially to, to get some contracts going um, uh, you know get references and so forth uh, but uh, that was the point where I learned uh, the actual value of of, uh, of a network it's it's pretty crazily significant um, because I, I had basically announced like on Twitter and stuff that I'm now freelancing and um, And so, within like a, a couple of weeks of that, I like emails just started coming in. Um, so basically, I left Unity. I had my last day at Unity, and then immediately I was on a project. That's um, wonderful. So extremely luxurious, and and I just like from that took that okay, I need to continue investing in in my network and and the community. Uh, so so basically have a. a, a As like a sticky note uh, at home uh, by uh, by my desk, reminding me that okay, focus on this and that this you should you should spend a fair fair amount of time on this. Yeah. So yeah. like I go out and volunteer for the IGDA stuff. We're uh, like in Copenhagen, we do the Nordic Game Jam, and nice. um, we have the Unity SIG. We just started the Global Unity SIG as well. Where we're trying to unite all the Unity user groups and all that stuff. Right. Um, so I go out go out and do talks for free, uh, that sort of thing to keep keep networking and keep putting out the word because uh, that is a very effective business model. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really good advice for, for people going on their own. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I've seen that a lot, specifically you know, in the States. There is It's such a rich bed of, uh, um, of work, but mm. people have to know who you are, you know, exactly, I mean, yeah. no matter how great you are. So yeah. that's, that, that's excellent. Um, in, in networking, what have you found are the most effective tools from a... Um, from staying in touch do you find that LinkedIn is as good as Twitter or uh, so I'm I basically use uh, LinkedIn to to keep my resume uh, up to date and it's pretty much it right uh, but I mean Twitter is, is very good um, also um, yeah I think 
I think Twitter is probably where uh, I, I do most of my community interaction. Correct. Okay. Excellent. Um, well, uh, if there was a dream project that you could work on, what would that be? Oh. Well, I mean, the, the, the question is whether or not, uh, you know, attaining, like, reaching your dreams and actually do that is a bit of a scary thing, right? Right, so, yeah. Uh, I have I've been quite good at, at dreaming dreaming up impossible projects uh, <laughs> so that I don't uh, risk uh, being able to do them. Right. Um, but you know, um, like I, the, the movie uh, the 13th Floor, uh, where yeah. this um, this like living breathing world inside of a computer simulation matrix style, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, like I would I would like to do something like that where you have like a huge expensive simulation running on like some massive server set up somewhere right yeah and, um, and you could come in and possess characters and like figure out the characters living real lives right. uh, and, and you have to like figure out who is this person and what is their relationship with different people and like you could you could come in and possess a character who is then you know being chased down by some people right or whatever right, right? That's very exciting. Are you excited about the Oculus Rift then? Because it seems to be able to allow you to do these immersive realities. Yeah, actually, like my the last uh, contract I has had was with Oculus over in Irvine. Oh, um, fantastic! So yeah, so it's a nice crew. Uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I, I got a lot of the sense of, of like the early days of Unity, that, that yeah. kind of, of of working together and the, the kind of uh, attitude in the crew. Um, yeah, the crew is great. I've got some friends there, and, mm, it, and it's mm. good. Um, are you still up in Irvine, or uh, no? Um, so that was the, I finished that contract uh, end of December. Um, okay. So actually, this is now I've been taking some vacation because uh, my wife is just finishing her studies. Okay. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't the best time to go. Okay, well, you take care of the kid and and good luck with the exams. I'm off somewhere, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, so I mean, luckily, since I, I was so busy and basically worked my ass off uh, for half a year, I was able to build a bit of a buffer. Nice. Uh, so I could I could take some vacation uh, to allow her to focus on her studies. Oh, well done. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, do you play much games? Um, um, see, I, after studying games, of course, I started learning how to play games. Right. Um, so, but you know, with a kid, it's it's. Uh, it's limited the amount of time you have for it. Absolutely. Uh, but I'm. I really love. Uh, I'm. You know, if if you if you su- subscribe to the, you know, the the uh, player types. Uh, I forgot who came up with that uh, definition, but I think I would be uh, the explorer type. Yeah. Um, so I like to explore the game world. Uh, so of course, uh, uh, stuff like uh, um, uh, Minecraft. No, uh, more like that. Uh, oh, I'm so terrible at names. Um, Fallout Three, that sort of thing. Oh, right? okay, like the uh, big Bethesda games. Exactly. Yeah. You played much of the Assassin's Creed games? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, they, again with the kid, yes. I, I have I have like three or four titles standing on on the shelf at home, going, eh, play <laughs> me. But yeah. Um, what about mobile games? Do you play many of those? See, that's more practical because yeah. usually mobile games have these short intervals, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I love a lot of uh, small puzzle games there. Um, the more uh, the more larger games, I've, I've found a harder time uh, uh, picking up. Yeah. Uh, because you know it's it still requires the same amount of, of time investment. Yeah. And in that case, you know, I'd, I'd rather be sitting on my couch with a big screen. Yeah. Um, so. Um, 
I agree. I'm finding a lot more, you know, I find the general trend that people played games, they love games, got into the game industry, and as life goes on, they play less of these big yeah, games. Yeah. Uh, and then mobile came in, which allowed you to have like a really core experience, and I feel like changed a lot of perception on game design because this is quick and dirty. You need to give yeah. me the thing right exactly. now. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, uh, so, you know, uh, was it a year ago or so uh, Nicholas Francis one of the founders of Unity uh, left uh, to go do games yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he took uh, Charles Hinshaw with him and and they are I mean both parents and and trying to uh, they're building this game that is focused on on like you know these segments of 10 minutes of, of, of game right. but it's still this this uh, hardcore game so it's like very nice graphics and story heavy that sort of thing right um yeah, I forget the name of the game, but the uh, the uh, uh, their company is called Framebuffer. So um, I've heard, that, yeah, that was twice. Harris mentioned that as well. Okay, so Framebuffer? A uh, Frame Bunker. Frame Bunker. Okay, excellent. Um, see if I can get him on. <laughs> Have him talk about his stuff. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I love the mobile space. Um, it's really progressive. One of the things that is amazing and horrible about it is that something that was true last year at GDC yeah. is not true today. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, makes a very uh, shifting landscape, but also very exciting landscape because you know if you weren't making money last year, maybe you'll be making tons of money this year. Yeah. So um, I also see a lot of people playing uh, Minecraft on uh, mobile devices. Um, you uh, have you played much Minecraft at all? So yeah, a couple of guys uh, when Minecraft Minecraft just came out, a couple of the guys were really excited about it uh, on the on the Unity team uh, and. One evening, uh, went okay. So we're buying pizzas, and now you—I mean—we're teaching you Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> uh, sit down and enjoy this. Right. Um, and you know, I don't know what it is, but I just didn't. Yeah, I played it for that one night, and uh, it just didn't. didn't wasn't my thing. Wasn't you know? it? Yeah. No. It, I mean, likewise. I, I remember picking it up and wondering what all the fuss was about, mm. um, and then uh, I just took my wife over to South Africa to see where it came from, and yeah. then. On the flight, I kept on looking at parents with kids and seeing what they were playing. Right. 80% of the kids are playing Minecraft on mobile devices. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the rest was like a mix between Candy Crush and, uh, what's the other one, uh, Clash of Clans. Oh, right, right. Um, but it was, it was really interesting, because I didn't think it would work on mobile devices mm. from a 3D game. Exactly, you know? yeah. But, yeah, kids love it. I mm. guess social pressure is another big thing. Fair enough, yeah. Um... <laughs> Is there any advice that you would give to uh, indie developers, like from twofold, one from just making games, the other from how to sell things in asset stores? Uh, sure. I mean, the the I guess like for making a game, well, you know, keep it simple. Don't do these elaborate systems. Uh, I I usually do when I do talks focused on on production. Uh, my main points are, uh, you know, uh, keep it. Make sure you reach uh, uh, playable and shippable as soon as possible. Right. Which means you're also testable, uh, so you can easily iterate on the full experience. Uh, and instead of you know, it's it's very tempting to say, okay, well, we need this part of the game, so I'm just going to focus completely on the character behavior or whatever. Uh, and you just end, end up getting lost in that and spending a lot of time and kind of forgetting about the the rest of, of the stuff in there. Right. Um, so. And, and you know, it's when you can we can test the whole experience. You can also very quickly find out what doesn't work right. and and sack it early. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the most most valuable uh, thing is to uh, uh, 
basically throw away an entire idea, not just code. Yes, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from a production standpoint, there. Um, so in the S store, um, I'd say, uh, uh, yeah, good question. I mean, again, with that, you know, uh, focus, focus uh, on the pain points, what you experienced as, as pain points of Unity, um, right. what you uh, spend a lot of time struggling with. Um, if you can uh, like polish out uh, that for reuse by others and then putting out in the store, there's a pretty good chance that others have run into the same problem. Right. Excellent. Um, and um, that's, that's pretty much the questions I have. Is there any rents or uh, interesting things that you'd like to share with the guys? Um, I mean, so Unity 5 is interesting. Yes, um, actually, thank you for bringing that okay. up. Please rant about it. Um, well, I mean, uh, I just had a demo of, uh, of the new WebGL stuff. Um, and, you know, I've, I, I had a chance to watch it through the development process. Um, and this is not what I expected. Um, I, this is way smoother. Uh, and really? It, it's, it's, a, like, it's, it's very interesting to see how... Uh, I, initially, I thought the WebGL build would be, you know, kind of a, a bit of wonky and, you know, um, <laughs> okay, yes. but um, but it, it runs extremely smoothly, and um, it's it's really nice to see, you know, the web changes and, and Unity just, you know, adapt to it. Excellent, yeah. Because um, what I found, like, um, I did a lot of Flash games back when, like, that was a good moneymaker, and... Right, um, right. And um, and then when Flash started, you know, not being supported on mobile devices, a lot of people abandoned it just because they saw a decline. But yep. there's still a huge market for Facebook games, mm. um, and slowly I've seen people use the Unity web player to kind of fill that gap. Right. So this WebGL, it's looking fantastic. Do you think uh, does it work on mobile? Do you know? Uh, I don't. I don't know actually. Oh, I have to check that out. That'd be mm. interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's really good to see people focusing like any way you can get your content to your exactly. users. Exactly, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I, I usually advise people to uh, uh, one route I advise them to go back when, especially back when before uh, the indie version was free, uh, was to initially go for like a push your game on Facebook right. and then. Uh, you know, put some ads ads in there, uh, and and use the revenue from that to buy the iOS license, and then push there, right? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, I mean, with WebGL, that's only going to get easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But of course, now it's easier to get into iOS as well from the Unity standpoint. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've also seen. Uh, um, I mean, the last job that I did. Um, for Coca-Cola, we made a game for them, and it was on Android, um, iOS, and web. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't even blink twice when we said Unity Web Player. Like, yeah. yeah, they were just like Facebook. Yeah, it? initially it was very hard to push through there, um, and and you know then you started seeing a few portals here and there going. Okay, well, we now have a Unity Web Player pipeline, and, right. and you get like the trusted install experience and that sort of thing. And you know, like, I guess it just snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah. I think Aris was the guy who, who made that, right? The yeah, I think Aris so, yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was it was interesting to see people um, adapt to that. And then there was something that uh, Unity did with NASA, I think, that really boosted their web installs. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. NASA did like the, their uh, on their website. You could see where all their missions were uh, currently, and like, get some data on that. And I think they even put like a visualization of of uh, 
of like their mission status inside like the, the control center. Oh my uh, god, that's awesome. Uh, so, but I mean, if 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 uh, if uh, something starts falling out of the sky, it's not because you're gonna be crashed because it's not <laughs> wired that way to the system. But uh, it was a bit, uh, yeah, it was really interesting that uh, the pickup there. Yeah, the pickup. Uh, last time, I think the last Unite um, was quoted six installs a second. I, I don't know the numbers. It's, I I, after out. a point, I, I stopped listening because it's just—it's a lot. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's really sure. been a pleasure. Uh, once again, um, look out for the um, the Behave uh, Asset Store bundle. Um, how much does it retail for? Uh, Two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. It's a good product. It's uh, it'll take care of all your AI needs from a decision point of, uh, decision point of view. Um, you want to uh, tweet Aris? I think it's Angry Ant. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and definitely have a chat with him if you can. Um, and this is me, Roger Miller, for Collective Mass Radio. Um, my Twitter handle is DJ Ruiz. Um, you can always get me at Roger at CollectiveMass.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.